The rapid global spread of COVID-19 has quickly eclipsed recent epidemics in both size and scope. In addition to the deadly human toll and the disruption to millions of citizens globally, the economic damage of the pandemic is already significant and far-reaching. Are organizations starting to feel the impact of the economic slowdown or the impending recession? And what can we do to prepare and thrive in these uncertain economic conditions? Welcome to Deloitte Voices. My name is Dishraf Elias and join us as we uncover the ways to thrive in volatile times. In this first episode, I'd like to welcome James Walton to discuss the current global crisis we are facing and how leaders can lead with resilience to come out stronger and more competitive. James, welcome to the show. You must be a busy man considering you're Deloitte Southeast Asia's clients and markets leader, the transportation, hospitality and services sector leader, as well as our sports business group leader. Notably, some of the most highly affected sectors, if I may add, by the current COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been a, a busy time both for Deloitte, but also for the clients, the organizations that are working with the, out in the market. I mean, I'd just like to start by saying I hope everyone is keeping safe and, and healthy and that the personal and corporate support systems out there are helping keeping them functioning. For me today here, I'd like to just share a little bit about what we're seeing in terms of how some of the leaders in our economy are helping their organizations to navigate through really waters that are quite uncharted um, in our lifetimes and, and some of the actions that organizations can take. Right. So, James, when you're out there talking to companies and leaders, what exactly are you hearing from them regarding the challenges they are facing? Is it aligned with what we hear on the media or is there more than meets the eye? So we actually recently did a poll of some of our largest uh, clients via our, our lead partners. And, and it was interesting, but not surprising that the number one area that our clients saw as a threat to their business or an area that they need to focus on right now was around supply chain. Um, you know, de-risking your supply chain, making sure that you have all the things that you need to produce. Number two was around customer engagement, making sure that you are still attracting customers, whether you can even serve customers, given some industries, the, the different lockdowns uh, that are happening and how you continue to engage with them, continue to, to differentiate yourself. And then the third one was just around business continuity and financing in particular. So one of the things we're seeing is, is the need for liquidity. Um, a lot of organizations looking at their cash flows, um, talking to banks, checking that you, you have the credit lines that you think you have, deferring any unnecessary spending and, and taking measures around staffing in terms of reduced pay or perhaps uh, asking staff to take holiday and use up their holiday at this point in time. We're also encouraging organizations to make the most of the different incentives, the reliefs that are available out there for them. The Singapore government has already announced one package. There's another one coming this week. Um, and we've seen packages in many other countries um, around the world to support um, both individuals as well as corporates at this time. From my point of view, you know, aviation sector obviously very badly hit. Um, as a sports business person, we're seeing all the leagues cancelled or all the sporting events. And, and these sectors are sectors that tend to have a lot of workers that work on hourly basis, uh, part-timers, casual, even gig economy workers. And, and that's definitely an area of, of concern at this point in time. There is undoubtedly an overwhelming amount of information reaching us right now. Where should leaders even begin when responding to COVID-19? I think, 
you know, we have this concept that, uh, that we're talking to a lot of organizations about around resilient leadership. Um, and, and we see a couple of qualities um, in leaders who are, who are shining uh, at this time. And the first one is they really put the mission first. They focus on stabilizing today, looking at what the constraints are, looking at what needs to be done. Secondly, with their people and with their clients, they, they own the narrative. They paint a picture of, of a compelling future, the path forward, because that helps people control a little bit the emotion and the fear that they're experiencing today. We believe in designing from the heart. It's a good time to focus on really what is the purpose of your organization? What are you trying to do? What are your obligations to society at this point in time? Also, another factor we find is that it's really right now, a lot of the time, it's about speed over elegance. For many organizations, there's, there's a focus on, you know, all the little details of things and making things perfect. But the speed at which things are moving right now, when you think about the different lockdowns that are coming and the different policies that are coming, the travel advisories that are coming out so quickly, means that you, if you spend two or three days formatting something and, and getting it ready, by the time you do it, it's already been surpassed. Uh, by something else that's been happening. And ultimately, it's really, it's about focus on the long view. What are you going to do when you emerge from the other side? Um, how are you going to make sure that your staff and again, your customers focus on a year from now, 18 months from now, two years from now, what will your organization be doing and how will you be partnering with them? All right. So as you mentioned, James, talent and people are clearly the number one priority for businesses, whether it's employees or customers. Where then do you see opportunities for leaders to establish trust, improve engagement and satisfaction through the current situation and out the other side? So we're seeing some organizations, as I mentioned, really focusing on their purpose, being true to their, true to their brand and looking at how they and their customers and their employees can really support the difficult situation that we're in. So before the shutdown got so severe, we were seeing airlines really focusing very intently on the cabin sanitization aspects and the, the different aspects that would help them play their part in reducing the transmission thread. We're seeing businesses right now taking the idea of what we're now calling safe distancing. We're not supposed to say social distancing anymore. We're seeing organizations, you know, putting putting red X's on, on the chairs in hawker centers here in Singapore, things like that. So again, putting trust uh, and confidence at the center of what we do. Another key, uh, as I mentioned, is around customers. It's a good time to let customers know that you appreciate them, that you care about them, even if they may not be buying something right now. And it's been interesting to see some of the different tactics used by organizations. We saw, you know, one for one promotions and and buy now, but if you have to cancel, you can shift it at any point. So removal of cancellation fees, removal of postponement fees and things like that, just to try to encourage customers to participate. And interestingly, the last couple of days, a lot of virtual services being provided uh, free of charge, again, as a way to get people to sign up, to get them into your ecosystem. I think one of the things the government encouraged here in Singapore in, in their first budget round was that now is a good time to do training and to focus on what the future of work looks like, digital, and 
it definitely is. I mean, it sometimes feels like it's all hands to the pump, but there will come a point soon, if not already, where you will have some employees with a bit of time on their hand. Maybe the, the customer base dries up and that's a great opportunity to focus on that training, but also as an organization to fo- focus on what is the future of work? Mm-hmm. What will the jobs look like in the future and what will our organization need from these people in the next two, three years? And, you know, take a breath, stop and think about how you can enable that. And along that line, that then gets into things like the flexibility you have in your jobs, enabling people to remote work. A lot of organizations say they believe in work from home and flexible work arrangements, but sometimes the trust isn't there with the people and it tends to be something that's there, but maybe you can't really access it. And I think what we're gonna find out over the next couple of months is really whether those schemes work how they work and how to improve them. And I genuinely believe that this will result at the end of this crisis in a lot more organizations seeing remote working, work from home as as a model uh, that can be used effectively in their organizations. So building on top of what you just said, what about business focused opportunities? Where should leaders be looking? So I think there's a couple of angles. As I mentioned earlier on, there was the survey that we did showed up that most leaders are looking at supply chain. And and that came out of a couple of different things, because if you think back, even before COVID, um, there were situations happening in the Asia Pacific region. We had the, the downturn. Uh, we had the Hong Kong protests, which had some, some kind of ripples around the world uh, in terms of organizations that had their supply chain or their regional headquarters based in China. So already a lot of organizations were thinking about de-risking their supply chain. How can we make sure that we are not reliant on one location, on one supplier? We saw for the automotive industry, a lot of car companies, once China kind of locked down and the factories stopped working, the products stopped. And once the products stopped and were not getting shipped, then they couldn't produce cars in their own country, even though their own country was was operational. So de-risking the supply chain from an operational point of view, as well as all the different pieces that go into that in terms of labor, tax, and other areas, which also presents a very good opportunity, again, to do something that a lot of organizations talk about, but perhaps find difficult to stop and do, which is to look at sustainability. We all want to be sustainable in our supply chains, but sometimes when your organization runs 24-7, it's difficult to put the brakes on and say, right, let's change a supplier. Let's change how we do things. But this, again, presents an opportunity for something like sustainability uh, to come high on that agenda. We're seeing organizations thinking about diversifying. Again, if you only have that one income stream and that income stream gets stopped, where do you go from there? And for organizations that do have a bit of cash on hand, that do have some reserves, we're seeing investments into new technologies, new systems, particularly kind of digitalization of the business. So that can be around the e-commerce side and how you're facing customers. It can also be around, for example, robotic process automation, artificial intelligence. How do you improve your operations to become more efficient in the years to come? And even opportunistic M&A. If you do have the money, then right now there are some organizations out there that are distressed, that need investment, that perhaps will be selling off some assets and, you know, the prices are falling in the market. So we have one particular client that was looking to do a deal and literally with every single week, the price of their of their businesses is, is going down because the, their stocks are going down, but at the same time, their customers are not coming in, the revenue streams are not there and the seller is getting more and more 
desperate, unfortunately. And so there are bargains to be had out there for investors that have some, some cash on hand. Even before the COVID-19 pandemic, leaders were treading in volatile waters with political tensions and trade disputes, and the uncertainty will likely remain long after. What guidance would you give leaders in navigating volatility and distress going forward? I think this whole situation has taught a lot of leaders that the day we thought would never come can actually come. And for many people in this part of the world, we talk about SARS. In other parts of the world, they talk about H1N1 and how we got through it. But no one has ever experienced anything quite like this. I mean, the latest suggestions are that we could be looking, if you count back to January of this year, you could be looking at six quarters of impact here. And those are the optimistic scenarios. The, the more negative scenarios are talking about possibly recovery as late as 2023. And that means we're really in it for the long haul. And so organizations where we've seen situations where they have, you know, had a, a bad month, a bad two months, airlines where they've had to drop 10% of capacity, organizations that for one month have had to take a 5% pay cut for their people. Now we're talking about airlines that have grounded their entire fleets. We're talking about bars, restaurants, shops that are going to be closed for a month. And there are government subsidies, there are reliefs available, but how long? You know, how long can you can you sustain this for? So, for example, it's estimated by IATA, the aviation industry organization, that most airlines on average have around two to three months of liquidity. In other words, they can afford to pay their staff, pay their running costs for about three months. And at that point, they will need a government bailout. So we're hearing of airlines that own their fleets trying to sell their fleets of planes and then lease back in order to raise uh, finance at this point in time. So I think it's really been a, a lesson for all of us in, in that you really cannot predict what's going to happen. And that, that means you need to have scenario planning. You need to be ready for any eventuality. You need to have your business continuity plan in place. Uh, you need to have those diversified streams of income. You need to have those diversified supply chains. And that really the organization that is prepared, the organization that has built in some agility and that is resilient in the way that it is operating ultimately will be the ones that will survive and possibly even emerge stronger at the end of this crisis. All right. So on a more personal note, James, how have you and your team been dealing with the current situation? For example, boosting the morale of the team and your overall energy. Do you have any tips for leaders? You know, our global CEO, Punit Renjan, is sending out almost daily emails now to our partners and, and directors. And he always has this phrase at the end of his email, this too shall pass. And we're celebrating our 175th anniversary in Deloitte this year. And we've kind of realize that when you look back over 175 years, you know, that's two world wars, that's the Spanish flu, you know, that's SARS. A lot of things have, have happened, financial crisis and other things, and the organization has still emerged stronger. So I think those messages of positivity and, and the idea that we can get through this are important things. I think at times like this, the employees, the, the people and, and the customers look to leaders to lead. And to, and to give them hope and to give them confidence because there is a lot of uncertainty at this point in time. Our Asia-Pac CEO, Cindy Hook, says she sees this as an opportunity to make the most of what we're calling our flexible work experiment. I mean, right now in Asia-Pacific, we have around 58,000 people and something like 60% of them are working from home. 
or using flexible work arrangements. And so we are suddenly having to organize very large town halls and, and very large conference calls and postpone meetings that need to happen because they're strategic, you know, for planning for next year, for investments. And they're having to be done by conference call. They're having to be done remotely. So we have all become uh, disciples of Zoom at the moment. We are. We, we need a name for that, Zoomaniacs or, or, or something. Um, we, we need a name for everyone who likes to get on Zoom, change their background to a beach scene and, and relax and imagine that they're somewhere else in the world. It also, I think we have got into the habit more and more in recent years of, of flying to meet people, even for short meetings. Um, and I think this will help show us that that doesn't need to be the case. And ultimately that has to be good for, for us in terms of saving costs, and it has to be good for the environment. And it's giving us a good opportunity to look at our carbon footprint and say, when we emerge from this, can we reset our approach to, to how we travel, to how we go, we go to meetings? And I think it's encouraging us as leaders to take time to check in on people. So often we kind of take people for granted. They come in for work, they come in, they go out. And you sometimes you, you say hello maybe, but how often do you ask people, how are you doing? How's your work situation? How are things at home? How, how, are, you, how are you coping? You know, there's been a lot of information in the press in recent years around mental health. Uh, and depression and issues like that. It's a good time to reconnect with with people. And I think that, again, is something that we can put some focus in to build that support structure for our people, for our clients, to build that engagement and to make sure that at the end of the day, all the negative things that come out of this, this crisis, and there will be many, many negative things, if we can all learn on the journey, if we can all improve some aspects of what we do, and if we can build stronger connections across our organizations and across our business partners, um, then ultimately it will not have been in vain. Well said, James. Thank you uh, to our Deloitte clients and markets leader, James Walton, for coming on to today's show. And that's it for this episode of Thriving in Volatile Times. If you want to comment on the podcast or the topics covered, you can send us an email. The address is cpodcast at Deloitte.com. That's spelled S-E-A podcast at Deloitte.com. Or head on to our website, Thriving in Volatile Times. I'm Dushar Elias, and until next time.